Hello? You play to win the game. Put your hands up. You play to win the game. You play to win the game. I said hello. Hello? hello? You play to win. I said put your hands up. Why not? Put your hands up. Let's go to work. You gotta play like the hair's on fire. You start going with me, it doesn't matter. Get out. Get out. Get your knees bent and accelerate. Yeah. It's a physical game. So shoot your guns that way. You play to win the game. Put your hands up. You play to win the game. Welcome to Pacific Takes. Welcome to the Pacific Takes Podcast presented by SB Nation. This is the official podcast of the Pac-12 and the SB Nation Network. I'm Johnny Pullman here with Jack Fullman together with the Fullman and Pullman Show. Jack, what a weekend that was. On Saturday, I woke up so excited for this absolutely loaded slate of conference championship games. Um, but by about lunch, Oklahoma had already smoked TCU. Uh, the Horn Frogs, which is actually a lizard... People forget. Yeah. Uh, just got toasted by Baker Mayfield and the Sooners. And then before it was even dark out, Georgia had bagged Auburn. Um, this was a fifth grade insult fest. You'll remember when Auburn beat Georgia, Gus Malzahn, who is that rare combination of uh, turtleneck and visor. <laughs> yeah. It's a terrible look. Um, said we're going to beat the, it said that we beat the dog crap out of them. And then the Gronk wannabe Georgia tight end after the game yesterday said, guess we just beat the dog crap out of them. And then skipped off like a grade school kid who just called his teacher a butt face. Stupid. So no respect for Georgia after that one. And then Clemson absolutely murdered the U. Uh, Post-game, they literally cut the turnover chain in half. Uh, I love this move. This is Lane Kiffin-level trolling from Davo. Huge respect. Uh, still a believer that college football is better when the U is relevant, even uh, more than when Notre Dame is good. Uh, when the U is cooking and the alum are coming out of the woodwork, that's uh, just a lot of fun to watch, man. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, uh, uh, Miami way over Notre Dame. Notre Dame is not really fun. It, it is what it is. It has its place, but... Miami is its own, you know, special bag of bag of tricks. Yeah, the U being back has been a fun ride. And then it looked like Ohio State was going to boat race Scotty, but Bucky hung in there. Seriously riveting television when the turf came up uh, late in the game. That is the definition of Big Ten football with big hog mollies literally moving earth. Uh, as a former groundskeeper myself, shout out to Eric Harlow, who did an amazing job to get the game back in action. Uh the turf was then tested on the very next possession, and it held up. Amazing job. Yeah, player of the week. Did you know that those were Velcroed in there? I know. Those end zones? No idea. No, yeah. That literally a guy on his hands and knees fixing the turf with little rubber pellets. That was the most riveting television almost of the day. Um, but then Wisconsin decided to make a game of it. It came down to the last possession. But ultimately, the horses for Ohio State were just much, 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 much too fast for a corn-fed Wisconsin. So today, the committee selects Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, and Alabama. 
Ohio State gets the snub, and they're headed to the Cotton Bowl to face the winner of the Pac-12, which is USC. What a game we had Friday night to get us to this point. The Pac-12 championship. Sam Darnold had an enormous game, 325 yards, uh, only 17 completions. Ronald Jones, another huge game, 140 yards, a couple scores. Uh, I thought Bryce Love was an absolute warrior. He's a home run hitter. He broke a 52-yarder. Mad respect for this dude playing through that ankle injury. Like he was out there like a professional wrestler, just limping around. <laughs> so mad respect for Bryce Love, who kept answering the bell. The guy was dragging a leg, and he kept getting out there, trying to take carries, trying to help his team win. I just I want to know what the halftime treatment that takes place, because if it's not painkillers, whoever is doing that should immediately... Uh, you know, be a billionaire for whatever they're doing. Because if you notice, he comes out from halftime just like a new man after he, he can barely walk. Uh, impressive, you know, uh, good effort no matter what's going on. And, you know, uh, it, it's not a coach to maybe sometimes see uh, how much... A guy's obviously, like, no matter what, a guy's leg's going to fall off, he's going to be like, I can go. Uh, David, Sh- David Shaw is letting him go, has has been letting him go, so... Uh, they want it bad at Stanford. They want to keep that going, and uh, they did loved it. Everything he could did not make to to you know, to make it happen, but they just came up short. So that fourth quarter was unreal. Uh, Stanford quarterback Costello, KJ, KJ Costello, uh, was making amazing throws and amazing catches by the receivers, especially that tight end Caden Smith. Unreal. Stanford is so so physical. What a ball game. No, yeah, I mean, it's uh, Stanford did their thing, USC did their thing, and it really came down to uh, that that fourth and one, uh, the fourth and going it for it, and fourth and goal, and USC shut them down, took it all the way down the field. That was pretty much the, the you know, the, the things that happened that, that won the Pac-12 for USC. David Shaw actually showed some emotion right before that play call. I mean, that's one that you would love to have Bryce Love. It ends up going to, to the other running back. And they get stuffed, although he may have been laying on top of his of his tackle. Uh, who knows? A little bit of controversy there. Yeah, I mean, uh, Stanford had a nice streak of about a month, uh, last month of the season, where they were rolling the dice and having a lot of 50-50 things, and they were pulling them all off to make this run to get to where they were. Uh, so it kind of is fitting for them that they got shut down there, and it's a play that you know could have actually gone their way depending on the review, but it but it didn't. So, uh, yeah, it finally kind of – the other shoe kind of fell for Stanford at that point. So we'll see whether or not Sam Donald decides to announce to come back. He's still got the bowl game. But I think this was a game where he finally showed up and played the way that people expected him to be maybe from the start of the season. Yeah, that was more like the Rose Bowl uh, Sam Darnold instead of like the Western Michigan, you know, like Wazoo Sam Darnold who has great moments but then just throws like a a boneheaded pick that just kills momentum or like fumbles, uh, you know, in his own territory. This was what I think people thought he could be and obviously what he can be when he puts it all together. So good, good showing on his part. Jack, surprising this is the first time the South has won the Pac-12. It's very insane, especially given you know, the population demographics of uh, the division. <laughs> Getting into population demographics. Uh, well, also, just like you look at the north, you have the northwest, 
you have you know Oregon, Washington. You have the states of both the you have both you know Oregon State, Washington State. Then you have two academic, heavily academic Northern California schools who don't care about football. The South, you got the LA schools, one of which USC, maybe the arguably, if not the best program in the country historically, top five, no question. You have Arizona, which is loaded with people. Uh, then you got the Mountain schools, you know. I, Screw the mountain schools. They don't really matter. But <laughs> you would think that the South would be the better conference division, but they're, they just had to last seven, seven years have not been good. Is it too hot to play football in Arizona? I mean, is it too hot? To, it's not too hot to play football in Louisiana. Amen. All right, point taken. <laughs> uh, so this was probably the two best teams in the division. Um, that, that's not always the case in the Pac-12 championship. Yeah, I mean, you've had a lot of years, if you go back and look at them, last year, USC was better than Colorado, USC didn't make it in, uh, you've had years where USC wasn't eligible, and like UCLA went in and they got throttled, you've had years where like Arizona had a couple of scheduling breaks and got in there and got throttled by Oregon, this was a year where it felt like two teams that were actually the best teams in their division, and if not the best, really, really good teams. I think Washington probably has the the That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. At least, like, Washington versus Stanford, debatable. It's not like last year, like, Colorado versus USC. If they would have played at the end of the season, you're like, USC would beat Colorado by three touchdowns. It's not one of those situations. Uh, You felt like you had two really, really good teams that were there. So the Trojans are celebrating now. There was guys up on uh, with the cheerleaders and the pom-poms, and they're going to take the Pac-12 championship to the Cotton Bowl to face Ohio State. It's 18 national championships and 13 Heisman winners combined. It's a matchup of a couple blue bloods. Uh, SC uh, it currently has a seven-game win streak over Ohio State. Didn't know that. Um, so this is a kind of a smart boops move by the selection committee to ensure that the Buckeyes – didn't play for the Fiesta Bowl for a third consecutive year. And I think that benefited the Pac-12. This was kind of a, you know, not having a Pac-12 team in the champion, in the, 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 the final four discussion. Well, you know, that's a disappointment, but today was kind of a victory for the Pac-12 because um, that switch getting Ohio state um, into the cotton bowl rather than the Fiesta Bowl kind of freed up a spot for Washington who now, goes to Tempe to face Penn State. Yeah, huge. Uh, not just for getting two teams into those, I think they're the NY6 Bulls. Uh, also kind of slides up all your programs to better bowls. Uh, instead of, you know, if it was just USC in those bowls, you would have had like Washington and the Alamo, Stanford and the Holiday. It, just sliding everyone down into less important bowls, less people going to watch. So that was like, a big win despite having pretty much no potential to get into the playoff. Washington jumping up that far, that's an unprecedented leap uh, for a team getting into the NY6. I don't know, maybe they got a little, uh, you know, good vibes from last year being in the Final Four. Yeah, and they just had good things happen in front of them, and there's kind of a weird thing I don't really get behind of punishing teams for losing champ- conference championship games. I get, like, TCU, like, you get, you know, dominated, like, it, it's going to knock you down the ranks, but, like, Stanford, they jump ahead to Stanford, but how's that really fair? Stanford, two of their losses were to to USC, who Washington didn't play. So you could easily be like scheduling things. If Washington would have played USC, let alone twice, they would have had more losses, and Stanford beat Washington. So I kind of hate punishing teams for that reason because uh, they have to play an extra game because they earned it. 
but they benefited by you know not losing too many games and uh, things breaking their way. Washington takes on Penn State. Uh, they've only played twice in their history, uh, once in the 20s and then once in the 80s. Penn State's won both. Um, Jack, what the fuck is a Nittany Lion? Um, something to distract you from Jerry Sandusky. Maybe. Well, I'll tell you, there's a hill in State College named uh, Mount Nittany, and even though there have been mountain lions there since the Civil War, <laughs> that's what they call themselves. Now, are you a proponent? What, what do you favor? Cougar, Puma, Catamount, uh, Mountain Lion, Panther. <laughs> What's your preferred nomenclature for the uh, North American Big Cat? I go Cougar. Uh, Puma reminds me too much of a, a second-rate shoe you didn't want to wear in sixth grade. Uh, <laughs> Shitting on Puma. <laughs> Uh, other than that, Panther. Panther. I'll go Panther if you're in Florida. But outside of Florida, you should not be calling it a Panther, uh, even if you're in Carolina, I guess. Uh, no respect for uh, the catamounts of Vermont. Shout, out, shout out Vermont. Like, I thought a catamount was like a soldier. I never knew that was uh, that was a cat. Uh, would you ever call uh, it a ghost cat or a shadow cat? Why would it be a shadow cat? Uh, some people call it shadow cat. Who calls it a shadow cat? <laughs> I'm going to find out. There's even some people that call it a painter. <laughs> All right. Uh, so if <laughs> if the game goes anything like the last time the Huskies played a, a team named the Cougs, that's good news for Washington. Yeah, different matchup. Uh, Saquon Barkley, though I assume he'll play because it's a big bowl game. you got to watch out for those types of guys uh, sitting it out. Um yeah, tough, a big matchup. Uh, Penn State, obviously, a, a blue blood, very talented team, very good team, so they're going to have their hands full. Uh, though, to me, 75% of who wins the bowl game is all who's more excited to be there. So you weigh that, you'd have to think maybe Washington has the edge, but that's not an obvious one. Well, you mentioned Saquon Barkley. Now, Washington also has a running back that potentially get drafted, um, you know, in Miles Gaskin. And you expect him to play, though. I think so. He's not a – I mean, Barkley's a guy who might be the top pick at worst is like number three, four. Gaskin's a third-round pick at best. He's a guy who this is actually a chance for him to up his up his uh, draft stock where, you know, a guy like Barkley, kind of like Christian McCaffrey last year, is like, what else is he going to do? This isn't going to affect him either way, really. All right, so that's the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, other Pac-12 teams making bowls. Uh, the Alamo Bowl, Stanford versus TCU. That should be a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, uh, two teams lost their conference championship game. Uh, kind of. I don't know. I don't think Stanford's ever played in the Alamo Bowl. Um, TCU still a pretty good team. Good, good, nice non. Uh, you don't use the word BCS anymore, but non BCS bowl matchup. It's only a three hour drive from Fort Worth down to San Antonio. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that many people will be making the flight from Palo Alto to go hang out in uh, Texas. De facto home game for the Hold Fro- Horn Frogs, but uh, we'll see. Stanford's uh, pretty tough up front, so we'll see if that's even a factor. Holiday Bowl, Washington State, Michigan State. That'll be a fun one. That's good. Uh, similar types of programs that I'm sure any Michigan State fan who ever heard that would uh, want to fight me. <laughs> Um, yeah, Washington State gets a chance to make amends for last year's Holiday Bowl performance and uh, bounce back from another ugly Apple Cup. They they should they should show up for this one. Michigan State, too, tough defensive team, can run the ball. 
Uh, I mean, I guess that kind of sounds like Washington to me, but so hopefully the Cougars will be able to adjust better than they did in the Apple Cup. We'll get more into these bowl matchups in the coming weeks, but I think Wazoo, having been there last year, I mean, that's only got to help, like knowing where you're staying, where you're practicing, what the field looks like when you're going to run out there. Um, that's got to give a little bit of an edge to the Cougs. Um, although, and you make a great point, it's all about the team that's more excited to be there. Um, when Wazoo beat Texas um, in the 2003 Holiday Bowl, well, you know, that was a, a nine-win Texas team that was ranked top five in the country, and the Cougs were 13th or something, and uh, they came in with a whole lot of motivation, ended up beating that Texas team. Well, then you flip the script last year, Wazoo thinks they're going to show up in boat race Minnesota and end up only scoring 12 points with a Mike Leach offense. Yeah, you got to watch out for those teams that lost their last regular season game and it knocked them out of a division championship shot. Because I think a lot of times they're like, ah, our season's over and they don't recover for it from it. That happened to the Cougs last year, I think. So hopefully they learn their lesson and this year they're ready to play. Alamo Bowl and Holiday Bowl are on at the exact same time. That's stupid. Story of the year in the Pac-12 is in bad scheduling. Uh, I, I hate the Pac-12 bowl slate in general outside of the Rose Bowl. Um, so I'm not... And this is just another part of that of just horrible, like, horrible planning. Like, if it was Washington State in the Alamo Bowl and, like, Washington in the Holiday Bowl, you know those fan bases like to watch each other. Like, they wouldn't be able to do that. Like, or Oregon and Washington, like, vice versa. If you get that set up, like, there's a lot of programs that, like, want to hate watch the other program, the team they, they don't like and, like, the team they love. And that sets up a horrible dynamic where you can't. The Foster Farms Bowl, known uh, as the Chicken Bowl. Dead Chicken Bowl. Arizona versus Purdue. Does Purdue have an edge because Purdue is uh, their Purdue chicken is well known? I think the Purdue chicken is spelled differently. <laughs> uh, and no, I don't think so. I think they're a six and six, not that good Big Ten team. I believe Nick Tolt might be their defensive coordinator too. Or am I completely making that up? Jack, you're right. The much maligned Nick Holt, former D coordinator for USC and Washington, is the DC at Purdue. Their head coach, Jeff Brom, who just turned down Tennessee, is an all-time dude. His pregame speech in the XFL is an all-time classic clip. I can't hear it enough. I'm going to put it in this podcast because it's a Hall of Fame speech. Jeff Brom, how in the world are you starting this game tonight after taking that hit just six days ago? Well, let me answer, let me answer that question by asking you two questions. One... Is this or is this not the XFL? Yes, it is. Two, do I or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play football. Sun Bowl, Arizona State versus NC State. Herm Edwards not coaching this game for, for the Sun Bowl. <laughs> uh, Sun Bowl, weird, weirdest bowl on the, maybe in the entire landscape that, you know, a decent program is going to go to. Um, I... Yeah, both those teams, I don't know what to do with either of them. I, NC State's coach did not leave for Tennessee, so they'll still have their coach. Uh, you know, Good on Arizona State for firing a coach, but still making it to the Sun Bowl. Vegas Bowl, Oregon, Boise State. These teams are familiar with each other. Oh, yeah, you know, an epic, epic meeting last time they got together. Cactus Bowl, uh, the Bruins get uh, the fighting uh, Bill Snyders of Kansas State. That could be ugly. Kansas State's actually pretty good. I think they closed the season by like beating like 
they'd definitely beat Iowa State, and I think they beat West Virginia. They're pretty good. UCLA might have not show up in that one. The heart of Dallas Bowl, Utah versus West Virginia. Weird matchup, too. Uh, I totally... I feel like the heart of Dallas Bowl is like one of those really low uh, Power Five conference bowls where the Power Five, te- the Power Five conference, Big Twelve never has enough teams to send, so it always ends up being like North Texas against like a random like Pac Twelve team or something. So good on the Big Twelve for getting West Virginia there and Utah. Utah's got a good thing going. They're they're pretty tough. They uh, I, I I hope they show up in that game. So Jack, let's talk coaching. Coaching carousel, uh, the Beavs. As we reported last week, thought they were going with Bull Baldwin. On Friday, it was a sure thing. On Saturday, maybe not so much. Then on Sunday, it was no contract signed, and now they end up with Washington OC Jonathan Smith. Generic name. <laughs> Generic name, but, you know, historically uh, a good good beef. Uh, a weird situation where one of those things where Washington, fan, Washington wanted to kind of get rid of Jonathan Smith and Oregon State hired him away. And people are kind of like, kind of like the Sark situation, where it's like, cool, perfect. We wanted to get rid of this guy, anyways. So, thank, thanks for. I, did, I didn't know that he was trying to get that. There was people trying to get rid of him. He's been long hated at, at Washington. Uh, he is like most offensive coordinators in life. Whatever you don't do, he uh, people hate. People are mad that he doesn't just pound the ball, running the ball a lot, and think that cost them against uh, Arizona State and USC last year. Yeah. So, Sounds like a Daryl Bevel situation. It's it's one of those things where it's a position where people get on that guy, but that's a long sidebar. But yeah, people Washington people did not love Jonathan Smith. Beavs were one and eleven last year, so it can only get better. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, man named Jimbo is going to get millions of dollars and didn't even win the lottery. Uh, he's leaving Florida State and going to Texas A and M. So this is just a really <laughs> sloppy situation. But why this is relevant to the Pac-12 is because Oregon's Willie Taggart might be the front runner to get the job in Tallahassee. Fitting, because I was skeptical, even though he won a national championship of Jimbo when that Rose Bowl where Florida State played Oregon, and it looked like Florida State was totally shocked that Oregon ran the hurry up. I was like, what the, like, what the fuck is their, co- their coaches like? They look totally like bamboozled by it. So I was always like, I wonder if that guy is actually not that great of a coach. Uh, it does seem like... It makes sense, and it does seem like Taggart will go to Florida State. I mean, Taggart was doing well, somewhat well, and recruiting very well, but I wasn't, I'm not like, I don't think anyone was particularly 100% sure he was going to bring Oregon, you know, back to where they were. So, not like a gigantic loss, but at the same time, you're going to have three coaches in three years if he bolts, and that's not good for anybody. He's from Florida, he was at South Florida. Jack, assuming that Willie Taggart does bolt, who's kind of some names that you might start to hear for Oregon? Well, it's very bad luck for Oregon, a bad luck year, because the guys who the two guys who would instantly come to mind are Scott Frost and Chip Kelly. And unfortunately for Oregon, Scott Frost and Nebraska job, which would be the only job I would think Scott Frost would take over Oregon, opened up. Looks like he's going to take it. And then Chip Kelly, uh, this happened too late to maybe get Chip Kelly back. Uh, the name I would think would be actually poached from another Pac-12 school, Justin Wilcox, who is a duck, who had a, a really good year, didn't make it to a bowl at Cal, but a good year at Cal, uh, more of a defensive-minded, kind of like a, uh, like a hard-working, no-nonsense guy than what Oregon's had lately, but he would be the first name I would think would pop up. 
So it is official. Nebraska hires Scott Frost. Um, so Mike Leach not going to Lincoln. Uh, but <laughs> what a week it was with Mike Leach rumors about Tennessee. So I'm telling you, man, this 30 for 30 documentary that will one day come out about this coaching search at Tennessee is going to be absolutely <laughs> wild. You know, what if I told you that Greg Schiano was fired at Tennessee before he was even hired because of vigilante backlash by Vols fans, outraged by his connection to the Jerry Sandusky child abuse case, um, but probably more motivated by his 68 and 67 record at Rutgers, um, caused the biggest face plant a program has ever had. It's been a wild, wild coaching carousel, man. And I think the whole the whole national situation has been epic. Mike Leach has been thrown in a lot of the midst of it. Uh, it's been so entertaining to watch, especially if you don't have a favorite program involved in it. Uh, it it's really fun. It's great entertainment to like be a bystander for. So Mike Leach did fly from Pullman in a clandestine meeting <laughs> with John Curie, in L.A. Um, now, right after that, um, Curry was suspended by the University of Tennessee. He was the AD. So then that kind of ended any kind of negotiation that was going on with Coach Leach. Yeah, Leach is kind of like Jim Moore before him. Always just seems to be in these conversations. I mean, he keeps winning at WSU, uh, and that's good for them, but you just always got to wonder with these things. And, I, I mean, m- my biggest excitement for if he did leave was I made a prediction like four years ago that Steve Sarkeesian at one point will be the head coach of the Cougars uh, and I would like to see that happen. Uh, my biggest excitement was the possibility that Coach Leach might wear a coonskin cap on the <laughs> sidelines at Tennessee. Very possible. Um, so how, I mean he's back in Pullman now They're, they've got a holiday bowl bid um, is the well kind of been poisoned with the fan base like What's the status of Leach and Pullman? I mean, his Apple Cup uh, track record is already already poisoned that well. And then this can't help. And I, as I said before, I mean, it's just like this thing of being the coaches that are always up interested in other jobs is kind of like being the boyfriend or the girlfriend that's always, you know, always listening to, you know, a take of some other potential lover. You know, it's just not a good place to be. <laughs> you can't trust them. Even if they're doing well you, on your best day. Well, you can't trust him unless you're Coach Leach, where you've won, you know, more games than any Cougar coach in recent memory, and he's gone to bowl games in four of the last five seasons. He's as good as like long-term success that they've had there in a row. From I can never remember because even Price, uh, you know, Price and the old guys, like they would have good years, but they wouldn't stack them on top of each other. They would have a good year to be bad for three years. Right. It was always get a good class. Yeah. Wait till they become juniors, seniors. Okay, go out, have a chance to win nine games, uh, and then, you know, you'd have to rebuild. Yeah, so I think he's doing great. As long as he's willing to stay there, you can keep riding it, in my opinion, but it's just always going to have an uneasy feeling with what's going on. Arizona State, with probably the most (laughs) shocking hire in the whole country, they bring in 63-year-old former New York Jets, former Kansas City Chiefs, Head coach Herm Edwards. I when I first saw this news, Jack, I thought that maybe there was another coach named Herm Edwards that I hadn't <laughs> heard of, and it just had the same name as the guy from the Jets. But no, it's it's the same guy. Bizarro, bizarro, just probably the strangest hire I can ever remember. At least in the Pac-12, if not nationally, 
I, I don't know what le- what level it makes sense. Uh, like, unless you want, like, people to know the name of your coach, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. Like, some bozo, like, like semi-football fan we'll, in Wisconsin. We'll, we'll see coach. if that matters to 17-year-old <laughs> recruits in L.A. I don't think it does. I, if, yeah, I, uh, yeah. Uh, Herm Edwards does not have a winning record as a coach. No, it's not even that close. So the way they've brought him in, they're going to keep the – O coordinator. They're going to keep the D coordinator. He's really just there to kind of be a face of the program, to schmooze with boosters and to help with recruiting. Although the guy hasn't been in college football since 1989. He was at San Jose State. That's not exactly big time college football. I mean, I just, these kinds of hires, just like to me, usually the best hires end up being like just a coach that proved himself at a smaller school then is on his way up you hire him or like a hot coordinator like these weird bizarro like hire like the like obviously Pete Carroll is the the one shining example of like when it does work obviously but like these hires like this just seem like they never work uh we'll see how it goes I'm glad they did it because it's going to be really entertaining (laughs) and the sound bites are going to be fantastic I think that Herm I mean the guy's been on ESPN for like the last decade like I think that he's almost become a parody of himself I'm really looking forward to these postgame pressers I just wish that Tennessee would have gotten Gruden they would have played next year in a bowl game and it would have been Herm Edwards versus John Gruden so uh really lackadaisical football fans who are not real fans like oh yeah like Gruden and Edwards could get excited about that and then but like real fans just be like okay like whatever like I tell you what man it would have been great it would have been great it would have been great but yeah Hey, uh, we want to keep an open conversation since, you know, this is a conversational podcast. So throw any, uh, throw some comments out there, throw some questions, some things you want to see us talk about. I know we got some people that were asking for it, a guy named Card Tricks, uh, was begging for the podcast, so I want, to, I want to get some feedback from him. I believe he is a Stanford fan, which I will swallow my, my pride and admit that I didn't know there were Stanford football fans, especially that, <laughs> that go online. Uh, and EV, he's a good, he's a good uh, uh, Pacific Takes commentator. We want to hear from you guys. Uh, questions, comments, insults, uh, throw, throw anything you want. At Rayman Tweets, this was the first... <laughs> Uh, podcast where we actually got the name Jerry Sandusky in there, so you're welcome. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at Pacific Takes. I'm at Johnny Pullman. He's at Jack Fullman. Next week, we've got end of season awards and more bowl previews. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Hello, you play to win the game. Put your hands up. You play to win the game. You play to win the game. I said hello, hello. hello. You play to win. I said put your hands up. Why not? Put your hands up. Let's go to work. You gotta play like your hair's on fire. When you start going with me, it doesn't matter. Get out. You're tired. Get your knees bent and accelerate. Yeah, it's a physical game. So shoot your guns that way. You play to win the game. Put your hands up. You play to win the game. You play to win the game. I said hello. 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 We gotta go to the practice. You play to win the game. Put your hands up. You play to win the game. You play to win the game. I said hello. Hello. hello.